I got my name tag on now, in case you guys don't know. I'm Wayne, worship leader here. <laughs> How y'all doing? You guys ready to worship today? You're not ready to worship? Did I, did I, hear, did I hear no? Or I hear yes. You know, like, uh, you know, you know, Jack has these, like, cool little series he does, you know, and he's, you know, like a four-week session of things. Well, I got my cool little series, too. It's called Keywords. So if you guys have been in Haven for a while, you guys know my keyword. My last keyword was expectation. So the expectation is that we have expectations. We come to church and we expect certain things. We expect good music. We expect to hear a good word. We expect to see our friends and have some coffee. But what, but what does God expect from you, and do we fulfill that expectation? My new keyword that God gave me today was called intent. You know, what's our intent? You know, when, when, we, when we pray, you know, are we just checking a box to say we prayed today? When we worship God, do, do, is our intention just to hear ourselves sing? Or are we actually, you know, taking that, that spirit of, 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 of the Lord and just and bringing our heart? Is that, is that our intent today? Is our intent to sing to God today? All right, let's stand up and sing this song. This song was a, a song we did last week. So if you guys, you know, weren't here last week, it's a really cool song. It just talks about how God is always with us. You know, and he's our refuge and strength. So I'm, I'm going to teach you this course because you guys might miss it last week, but let's just sing it together. And oh, my God, he will not delay my refuge and strength always. I will not fear. I will not fear. His promise is true. My God will come through always. Always. My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way. My help is on the way. Oh, my.
Good morning. Good morning. Hey, great to see everybody. Isn't that an awesome song? Doesn't that song like kind of stick in your soul? It's like a really just an awesome song to know that we are in the, um, welcome to Haven Community Church. If you're visiting with us today, um, there's some s- seats up around here. I know some people can help. If you want to find some seats, uh, there's some here. We usually ask that the kids come forward. Um, they can come forward in a little bit during our worship time, and then when they, that way it'll free up some other seats. We'll do that after we gather and greet with um, one another. I see we got lots of name tags on, so you can know people by name. If they don't, just call them shirt or something, it'll work. Um, but we are glad you're here. You are here for our, actually really our first really connection week. Last week we kind of set up the series on fear. And you can check that out on the website if you'd like to, to go ahead and check on fear. Um, I don't know about you, but um, it was a good week to set up for fear. Uh, just I know in my family and extended family and in our church family um, that it was a good week for fear. Anybody have anything that kind of made you a little bit afraid? Um, so we're, anybody live there, we're going we're gonna to talk about these things today. So welcome. First of all, I want you to do this. Relax. Take a deep breath. Hopefully you brush your teeth and the people in front of you can't smell it. But, but I want you to relax and just enjoy um, and just be in the presence of God. That's what we're here for. Uh, life is full of a lot of junk. And, um, and that's what Haven's here for. That's what its name's for. We just want you to just... Just leave all that stuff aside. And um, I had a word this week as well, Wayne. The word was um, just be real. It's two words, I guess. I'm, I'm a little slow. I'm slower than Wayne. Um, but be real. And God just wants, I guess, here we go. Here's my one word, authentic. Just be authentic in your worship. Whatever you, if you just feel like, like just, you know, whatever, just praising God, whatever, just let it go. You know, um, I have a picture of me. After our uh, football team won two weeks ago, and I look like a complete imbecile. So uh, be a complete imbecile in front of God is what I want you to do, um, or as David would say, undignified. So Jill is going to go ahead and go through some brief announcements today, and we're going to go ahead and continue worship. So welcome to Haven Community Church. If you are visiting, please go ahead and fill out that card. We have a small gift for you, and we're glad that you'll, you're here with us. All right, good morning, everyone. 
Um, a couple quick announcements. I'm not going to read through this. I really encourage you to read through it because we put a lot of effort to put it together. So take a look. But a couple things we wanted to highlight. Um, first of all, today at tonight at um, the Paris Foundation as Haven's Night to sponsor. So if anyone has any questions on that, see Bonnie or Katie in the back. Also, October 25th is the last day to buy tickets for the Paris Foundation Harvest of Hope. And I believe that Bonnie has tickets with her. If you're interested in buying them, she'll have them today. But this is the last time she'll have them. Okay? Um, second thing, you in your bulletin, there's a couple inserts. One around um, uh, Thanksgiving food drive. Take a look at that. And if you have any questions, see Teresa Barton or Donna Wiggum on that. And then we've got two special things we want to talk about. First, I'm going to have uh, Denise or Rachel, which one's coming up, um, to give an announcement on life's healing choices. And then, Teresa, you can come right after that. We'll show the video first, and then Teresa can come up after that. Good morning. I just wanted to remind everyone the Life's Healing Choices program is going to start on November 7th. It'll run on Thursdays at 630. Um, we will order materials. The materials are $17. You can put your money in the collection basket just on the memo line of your check. Um, write that it's for Life's Healing Choices, or if you put cash in there, just put it in an envelope and um, label it Life's Healing Choices. And if you have any questions, you can see Denise or, or Randy or myself. Thank you. We're going to have the Operation Christmas Child video. Oh, that's now. right, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, Tracy, you can come up after that. box gifts fill the hearts of children from over 100 different countries with hope, faith, and love. This is the story of Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child reaching the farthest places around the globe by sharing this tangible, simple, but powerful gift. Every box we give out, we try to give out in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to make Christ known uh, to every kid. And uh, we see every year tens of thousands of kids put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Greatest Journey is a 12-lesson discipleship program that many children have the opportunity to participate in after they receive a shoebox. Children are now running to the churches. They use not to go to church on Sunday. Operation Christmas Child, you're bringing life back to the church. Well, good morning. Um, I don't know about you guys, but every time I see those, those videos with the children, and they're so excited and they're so happy to receive those gifts, I get a little emotional inside. So I know that um, a lot of you are new and aren't familiar with Operation Christmas Child, so those that are, just bear with us for a few minutes. Inside your bulletins, there are um, brochures on Operation Christmas Child, just drop the paper. A little bit of information about what it, it does. So, um, thank you. Um, and how to pack a shoebox. That's very important. Um, you know, they don't want things, certain items in there that, um, like war items and things like that. Um, 
it is Samaritan's Purse, which is run by uh, Billy Graham's son. So it is a, um, a reputable organization that we can trust. Um, so our collection date is November 24th. I know it's really early to start thinking about Christmas, but um, with the collection date being November 24th, we need to get the ball rolling for this. So prayerfully consider packing a shoebox. If you need more brochures, there are some out in the, um, in the foyer. And also you can go online and print out your brochures, and that way you can track your box and you can actually see where it ends up at. So that's something to consider doing also. And I know we have a lot in the bulletin. And um, Jill, you mentioned that the Thanksgiving basket. So if you or somebody that you know is in need of Thanksgiving dinner, just fill this uh, blue form out, drop it in the collection plate, and um, we will get that taken care of. Thank you. What, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just greet one of those around you and I ask the kids to come up forward so we can clean out some more spots for sitting. And then um, Jacob is going to come and lead us in an opening prayer. All right, if everybody can get back, get still, and the kids can come forward, we're going to begin with prayer. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I'd like to thank you for uh, this wonderful day that you've given us, and I'd like to pray that we all just settle down and uh, take a deep breath and just listen to the words and the message that you've given us. In your name, amen. amen. Let's sing together. Never let go. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out. Let go through the calm and through 
What's the one thing that holds us together is love, right? That's the one thing that I always, you know, when I think about, you know, how the, how this world kind of comes comes about. When we think about how, you know, you know, Jesus came and died for us and our sins, and you know, that's just all about love. So I'm sing this. And love will keep us Don't have a job. Won't pay your bills. Won't buy you a home. Beverly Hills. Won't fix your life. In five easy steps. 
take us a shelter to weather the storm. And I'll be my brother's keeper so the whole world will know that we're not alone. You may be seated. This time our young people can leave for our shoreline Sunday school ministry. Good morning. Our scripture this morning is 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 14. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Lead in prayer, uh, our prayer and joys time. Again, I want to remind people of our prayer requests um, that are in the back there. You can see underneath the, um, what are they called, sconces? 
on the wall. Um, go ahead and fill those out and um, leave them in the basket, and we'll collect them before church. Um, the other thing is Debbie uh, Chadwick right here. Hi, Debbie. Debbie will be staying after church for people who are interested in our prayer group and other prayer opportunities. So she's going to be hanging out. Right, where are you going to be? Right here? Right here. Near, near the altar. That's a good place, right? Um, so she'll be here after church. Several of you have found those shelves with the prayer request forms, and I thank you for that. There's quite a few this morning. I have two. One is feeling very grateful and blessed to have such a beautiful church to worship in, and also that they're happy uh, to have friends and family here today, especially Zach, Madeline, and Dylan. I assume they are all one since the handwriting by my analysis is the same. Teresa Barton has asked us to pray that the wildfires, flowers, <laughs> that the wildflowers will be protected from the wildfires. <laughs> no, um, in Australia, uh, that no more homes or lives would be lost, and that Nicole would stay safe. I have two uh, relating to Jim Forsman for uh, him as he's had surgery or having surgery, um, that he will have good results from that, and. Uh, Reverend Cohen is going to be released uh, to home care this week, and they're still needing to have much therapy, and uh, Joanna's requested prayer as she cares for him and helps him with, with that. Lisa has asked us to remember uh, Scott King, who was in a car accident in California this week. Both of his hips were broken and his pelvis, and we want to remember him as he goes through a very long time of recovery and rehab. And Taylor has requested prayer for Chester Patchell, who's at Calvert Manor for rehab for at least a month. Um, he cannot walk by himself, and he would pref ask us to uh, keep him in his prayers, in our prayers. Jack and Melissa have asked for prayer for Carolyn Garwood, whose cancer has returned. Linda Bostic has asked us to remember uh, Bertha, who's usually right back there every Sunday who is not feeling well this week. And then Patty Miller has asked us to pray for her nephew, David, um, as they are giving him about six months to live. He needs a liver transplant, and she's praying and asked us to join her in prayer that he will come to know God in a very real way. And she'd also like us to pray for her friend who lost her, her father this week, and also to pray for her sister as she deals and tries to give comfort to her son, um, who is is very ill, and she'd like us to pray for her whole family. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. Father, we sometimes feel like the project Elijah, prophet Elijah, that we've done all these things and all of these other things have happened to us, and we feel like maybe we're the only one left. And Father, after hearing all of these requests this morning, we know there are many heavy hearts here. And even though some have been written down. We know that almost every seat in here is filled with a request, something that someone is going through. And Father, help us to remember that we can come to you and that we can pray to you and ask you to give us guidance and direction, ask you to step into the situation, whether it be a medical or physical or emotional or financial situation that you care about everything that's going on in our lives. Nothing is too small for you and nothing is too big for you. 
you're very interested in, in, in each of us. We pray, Father, that as Jacob prayed, that you'll help us to put away everything, take a deep breath from this past week, and to focus in this morning on what it is you would have us to hear. The things in our lives that you would like us to change, the adjustments that you would like us to make, the areas where we can reach out and serve you better. So we pray, Father, that you will help us to be able to concentrate on what we hear this morning. And then we're challenged in the word to not just be hearers, but to be doers. We pray, Father, this morning as we prepare to give our tithes and offerings that you will help us to be cheerful givers. You have given us so much, and as we look around at this time of the year and the the bounty of the harvest and everything else, we are reminded of how blessed we are. So we pray, Father, that you'll help us to be cheerful as we give back a portion. And we ask, Father, that you will be with the rest of this service, the the music and the message, and uh, help us to be ready to go out and serve you even better after We ask all of these things in thy name. Amen.
God's just making some changes. Um, before Wayne uh, sent out the list um, before, and um, we're, we're just going to bring it down. We're going to get ready for some more worship. I'm going to ask you to stand. This song we're going to sing at the end. It's called Cornerstone, and it just, before the this sermon was ready this week, this was the song that needed to be sang, sung, and I just want you guys to just really connect to it right now. Just worship God. Um, the lights will be down, and we're just going to worship God, recognizing that he is the cornerstone. You might remember these words from an old hymn, um, My Hope is Built. That last chorus, this verse is the most powerful part of the song. Sing it together. When he shall come with trumpet sound, and may I then be him and found, dressed in his righteousness alone, 
storms, that you are strong, and you hold us. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen. Dude, I, 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 Wayne gave that song the other week, and I was like, oh, this is My Hope is Built, the old song. And um, I just love that, that even though you have the same kind of uh, messages, the same words almost exactly, that there's a new spirit, that God's um, spirit just renews that song. That was one of my great favorite old hands. How many remember that song, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand? And I, I remember that. That was always one of my favorite hymns. Um, in case you don't know what a hymn is, it's kind of like a a song that you sing in a book. I know that's shocking to everybody here that you actually have a book that you sing in. And it had like these little notes and stuff. But um, how awesome to sing that song. I just, that song has been in my heart and in my mind. It's really cool when God goes ahead and then shows the same thing to me as he does to Wayne. Um, and that happens more often than you guys know. Uh, works in spite of us rather than all the time through us. So today we are going to talk about, uh, last week we we went ahead and we, we were focusing and we were talking, we were setting up this thing about fear. And we, we talked about a difference. And remember the problem, if you were, uh, weren't here last week, our problem was this, about how, how, anybody remember how many times it says fear not? How many were paying it? Huh? Around 100, good. Around 100 times the Bible says fear not. You know what that means? Don't be afraid. Um, and then there was another 100 times plus times where it told us to fear, have fear of the Lord. So we were trying to put those things together. And one of the terminologies that we, we came, came to was that we will um, always be afraid but never scared. Because that, that the fear of the Lord is that we have a fear of living life without him. When we really know who Jesus is and when we really know um, what he is for our life, then we never want to live life without, it would be so fearful to be without him. We'll touch on that a little bit today. But today we're going to go back to somebody a guy who we talked about briefly a couple weeks ago in, um, in our GAP series. Uh, I think that was the one. I forget. They all kind of run together with me. So um, they might with you too. So, um, but we were talking about a guy named Elijah. Is that the right series? Maybe not. 
No, it's one of them. Um, but anyway, we talked about Elisha and Elijah. We're going to talk about Elijah. And so we're gonna, um, you can check those ser- sermon series out online as well if you'd like to, some of them. And we are, um, Debbie read to us uh, this verse from Scripture. I'm just going to read a little bit of it, and I'm going to take you back a little bit. What has happened, Elijah, Elijah's one of those cool guys in Scripture. Um, he's kind of like me. No, um, Elijah's really, really cool. Uh, he's just a guy that, is just awesome. He's arrogant, kind of like me. Um, no, he's, he's actually very, he's, he's just so committed to God that he just, he does some wild stuff. Like God tells him, uh, the, the famous scene is where he's with the, pro, the false prophets, prophets of Baal, and he had this problem with a king his, um, who was Ahab, and he was married to this woman who nobody names their kid anymore, Jezebel. You know, anybody, anybody know anybody? Anybody related to anybody named Jezebel? Exactly. Um, so, but he has this, this wife named Jezebel, and Jezebel isn't somebody like, you know, you think would be on the front cover of Vogue magazine. She's somebody who'd be on Nasty Wench magazine. You know what I mean? And so that's Jezebel. Um, anybody know some people who would fit the Jezebel? Okay, I see a lot of heads bobbing. They don't, they're like, don't look at me, don't look at me. They're sitting next to me. Um, so, um, but Jezebel married Ahab, and Ahab was anything but God-loving. God and Jezebel was even worse. And so Elijah had a lot of problems with them. And as he had these problems, he just was really strong in this. And she had all these false prophets. And what he did, he gathered them all on a mountaintop, Mount Carmel, and said to them, okay, let's have this contest. It was kind of like a battle royal of who is the baddest God. And, of course, they did all these things. They cut themselves. They filled troughs of water. And nothing happened. So Elijah, he just heckled them. This is where I am a lot like him. When I see stupidity, I like to heckle it, and I like to make fun of it. Anybody else with me? Don't you love to make fun of stupid things? There's a lot of material out in this world if you, wanna, if you like to do that. Um, so you can just make fun of, of just kind of, not people, but stupid things. And so he's sitting there, and here they are cutting themselves, doing this. He's yelling, hey, you know, maybe he can't hear as well as he used to. Maybe you better yell louder. He says, maybe he's in the bathroom. That's the translation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Deep thought, that's what he means. Um, and he's saying, maybe he's in the bathroom. Yell louder. And then after a while, he just has enough of their mess all day. And he says, fill this trough, fill this uh, altar with water, and go ahead, and God, send your fire and show them who really is God. And when he did so, he found out who really was God. Bam, it came down. And if that does it again, we'll need a battery change probably, Andy. Or is it my electrical personality? There we go. Um, And so it, it fire came down, and then Elijah says, kill these prophets of Baal. There's hundreds of them. He just kills them, and they, they, you know, just like a lot of killing in the Old Testament. But a lot of killing. Killed them all. And he goes, yeah. So now we come to this point. Then he looks at, a lot, at, at um, King Ahab, and he says uh, this. Let me see where I am here. He looks at Ahab, and he's telling Ahab, he said, you know, you know, God told me to do something, and what this was all about is because God told Elijah, whatever you decide to do and what I do, we'll do together. And he just went ahead and said to them, hey, bam, shut off the water. And he shut off the water for several years, just like you would turn off your faucet, just bam. And can you imagine if we shut off the water now? Imagine back then when you didn't have plumbing and all that kind of stuff. He said, shut the water off. And it just shut off. And then after all the stuff with the prophets of Baal, he said, hey, Ahab, you better get your chariot down the hill because the water's coming and you're going to get stuck. So Ahab takes off. And this is what's really cool. God has Elijah. He's a good runner. 
too, because he runs really fast, and he beats him down the hill, and he's like, I beat your Escalade down the hill. How do you like that, Ahab? I am faster. And he said, guess what? You like this? So he's really cocky. Then we go to this next verse, and look at this, this scripture. I'm just going to read a little bit, and I I have a lot of scripture in your bulletin, because this is a week I really wanted you to really see the word of God. Um, And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do, make your life, do not make your life like one of them. What's she want to do? Yeah, she's going to take him out. And then one of the weirdest, weirdest verses in Scripture is this. This cocky, arrogant, trusting God with every ounce of his being. This verse here says, Elijah was what? Afraid. And he ran for his life. And we'll, we'll kind of stop right there. Sound good? Yeah, we'll stop right there. Oh, and wait, let me, I'll finish this one because um, I like this verse. He came to Beersheba and Judah, left his servant there. So then he, and, he, and remember I was talking about, and some of you may not, but how many of you are those people that when you're really afraid and you're really upset or even depressed that you just don't want anybody around you, you just want to be alone? Look what he does here. He leaves a servant in Beersheba and travels on and went a day's journey into the wilderness. Boy, does that parts of my life where I just left everybody behind and wanted to get to the wilderness. And it, when he came to a broom tree, he sat down under it and prayed that he may die. He said, Lord, I have had enough. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah's a really cool name. Elijah means Eliahu, which actually, which is why when Jesus was on the cross, when he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, some people thought he was calling for Elijah. And Eliahu means, um, my God is Yahweh. So his name meant, hey, his name meant what he did in life, where people would challenge God and he'd say, no, my God is Yahweh. There is no other than Yahweh, um, which is the Jewish name for God. And God gave him so many instructions. He was really cool. And you people who are Baltimore Ravens fans will think this is cool. He was fed during a time of no food. He was fed by the Ravens. Um, I guess Ray Lewis came and said, here you go. You know, here's the, he probably said, oh, here's your food. Yeah, you know. Um, and so, but can you imagine that? He had, he had all this kind of food that nobody else had. They just fed him. And he didn't even have to tip them. It was like room service from ravens. And here it comes. I, I think that's cool. I think that's really, really cool. And so he's fed by ravens. He outruns Ahab. He, uh, but then this whole thing comes to about that Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, sucker. There used to be a movie back in the 80s called, I'm going to get you, sucker. And that's what Jezebel said. I am going to get you, sucker. And He's afraid and runs. And what I love about the Bible is that we get so caught up in stained glass people that there are these people that we think, we mention names like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and John the Baptist and Simon Peter and John, and we think that they just, you know, after they were born, they came out and went, oh, you know. But it's not that way. They're real people. They're real people that continue to share what God has called them to do and to be who God wants them to be. 
And what we see here is several different things when we look at this scripture. Number one, we find out that with the Bible, God uses faithful people, not fearless people. And for me, that's comforting. I don't know, is that comforting for you? Because has anybody here ever been afraid of anything? And as you don't raise your hands, you're afraid to raise your hand, we understand. But that is one of the most important things. And one of the things I find is that faith is not the absence of fear, but a trust in a God who is greater than fear. That is that first section of scripture underneath there. Faith is not the absence of fear. A lot of us think that if we fear something or we're afraid of something, then that means that we don't have enough faith. Has anybody ever told you that? Like you said, I'm really afraid it's not going to turn out right. I'm really scared that something's going to happen. Anybody ever said that in your life? And you ever had somebody who's really churchy and means well and says to you, well, you just don't have enough faith. That's not true. It is, I, I have, I, I know I have faith, but I also recognize that I have areas of my life where I'm afraid, that I have things that I'm not quite sure of. And what I find is that faith is not the absent fear, but what faith is, is faith is a trust in a God who is greater than any fear I face. And that is a great definition of fear. So we often believe that those who God serve are powerful, that they don't fear But that's not what we find out. That's definitely not what we find out in the life of Elijah. I would say, if we look around this room, fear has kept many of us from lots of things for God. Sometimes it's fear has kept us from worshiping God the way we want to. Maybe we want to come in here and worship God like Ray Lewis, right? Ah, woo! He, the cornerstone, woo! You know, like this. And maybe that's what we want to do. Maybe we just want to be quiet, and and that's fine. Or maybe fear has stopped us from speaking to people for God. Um, Or maybe fear has stopped us from committing our lives to Jesus. Sometimes fear has caused us to not stay put. Sometimes we just need to stay put and to let God move in in an area. And And I would say for many more of us, fear has probably kept many more of us from forgiving someone. Because if I forgive them then, and there's that fear, I'll get burned again. And so as we look at this, I want to spend some time today looking at what I call Elijah-esque fear. Don't you love that term, esque? You can just throw it on the back of anything and it makes you sound intelligent. So um, Elijah-esque fear, and that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about today, at least most of our time, Um, and we'll see where God leads us. Cool? Cool? All right, just making sure. What is really interesting here, I'm going to look at this this, uh, scripture for a while. When we last left Elijah, and you can see the scripture in your bulletin, it says he laid down under a bush tree, uh, under a bush, and fell asleep. At once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, strengthened by the food, and he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Um, One of the really interesting things that I see here is that um, no matter who the human is, we could have Arnold Schwarzenegger. We could have me. 
What is there something funny about me and Arnold in the same statement? Um, but we could have the strongest human being, the person who runs uh, decathlons, who is always considered Bruce Jenner back in the 70s before the plastic took over. Um, we could have that. We could have him when he was the Olympic hero and all that stuff. We could have anybody we want in the prime, and their energy will eventually run out. How many of you feel like sometimes your energy is pretty much running on empty? I almost used Jackson Brown's song, Running on Empty, today, because I thought that was a, a good fear. But so many of us run out of energy. And I, when I look at this, this verse about Elijah being afraid, I often wonder, what made him afraid? This is a guy who just took out the prophets of Baal, who had swords because they were cutting themselves, and he just boldly says, boom, God, nail him. He just says, can you imagine if I stood up here one day and said, God told me, because of the sin, because that's what Elijah did. Elijah had a problem with what was going on in Israel and the people that were turning away from him. I wonder what he'd say today. And he just kind of had enough. And he said, guess what? You guys like this rainwater so much? Boom, shutting it off. Now, if I did that, you guys would go, yeah, right. But he just had that faith, that commitment. And then one woman says to him, I'm going to make you dead by tomorrow, and he's afraid. And I began to look at this, and I started to think, maybe he was not really afraid from her, but maybe because he was just tired from all the other battles he had been through in his life. You ever been, just reach those points in, time, in life where you're just tired? You're tired from fighting the next battle that comes along. You get through something, you're like, made it through that one, and wham, here it comes again. You're like, again. And then you come in, bam, again, and you're like, I'm tired. And what does he say? He said, Lord, I am tired. I have had enough. I've had enough. He ran and hid under a bush. Now, anybody tried to, like, get under, I can see him under this little fetal position underneath a bush, kind of hiding out like he's playing paintball, you know, and hiding down there and waiting. And he's just like, I've had enough. And I believe he was so tired of what life had given him he was he said he was ready to give up but it's i love what it says in here it says at once when he laid down to sleep took him a while to get underneath maybe it was like a little pricker bush and he got underneath there and he's hiding and all of a sudden the angel says you you and he's like ah you know he's creeping out underneath there and when he does it says go ahead and eat you see what we look at this verse of scripture oh i thought you were looking at me for a second um um, is that somebody's life? I used to love when my kids were little and they'd sit in a chair and they'd be like, and fall asleep in their plate. I mean, I fell asleep with a computer on my, on my lap the other day, like, you know, just, and, and woke up with it in my bed. I used to fall asleep with, before I had LASIK surgery with glasses on. But one of the things is, here it says, get up and eat. And I find it interesting. You know, a lot of us say, oh, he made it to the mountain of God, Horeb, Yay. He ran some 200 miles. Now, we know he's pretty fast, but he ran 200 miles. And the problem is, even though he's at the mountain of God, he's not where God had put him and placed him in his life. And so many people run to a time that they hear that something was great years and years and years ago instead of being where God wants you now. And we run because we're tired and we're afraid of of just being more tired. And so many people are like that, not running to what God calls us to, but running away. And what Elijah was really running from was his own life. Let me ask you, has anybody ever here ever wished you could just run from your life? 
Anybody? There are times where you say, ah, I've had enough, and you just want to run from your life. And so the first thing that we have is get up and eat from 1 Kings 19, 5 8. Get up and eat. Look at somebody next to you and say, eat something. Eat something. That's good. It's good to eat something. It's good to eat something. Look at this. God made it so easy for him. Elijah is running. God, you know, I, I just love this deal. I wish God would just come and f- bring groceries to my house every day. I mean, because to take kids to get groceries, to go get groceries, to pay the bill for groceries, I'd love for God just to show up with some ravens. Here you go, you know, or some angels. And as I look at this, look what, look what it says here. God made it so easy. The scripture tells us right here that he baked the bread, and where did he put it? Where was it at? Yeah, and it was baked on hot coals. Where was it? By his head. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was, uh, one of the things I love more than ever is I love Thanksgiving morning. Because you don't have a lot on your plate to do, but when you wake up, I like that smell of turkey it kind of wakes you up. You know, it's like the old commercial uh, cartoons where the hand would go with the smoke and grab you by the nose. And you guys remember those? And all of a sudden you're like out of bed. And um, next thing you know, you're standing by the oven. Right? You guys have seen that, right? I'm not just picking my nose for no reason, right? And, and so I, I love when stuff is, when you have, like, if bacon smell in the morning. Now, I can't eat it anymore, but that smell is like, ugh, amazing. Um, even coffee smell in the morning. And some of you like can't start your day. You're, you're like Elijah. You've had enough until coffee comes. And those, some of those smells in the morning that just wake you up. Or if you're, you fall asleep and you smell dinner, and you're like, mm-mm. You know, Melissa and I went into this store. We were in Lancaster the other day, and we went in the store and next door, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm smelling pizza. I'm, smell- I'm smelling pizza. And it was a Subway next door, that bread. They bake that bread, and they just waft it your way. So you're like, it doesn't really make a good sub, but it, it smells good, that bread. You know, I mean, uh, that smell just affects you, and it kind of wakes you up out of a slumber. And so what I rec- recognize is that God loves you enough to feed you, and the fear vanishes. He doesn't want us fearful, but he wants us faithful. God wanted Elijah to get up and eat, to strengthen himself with the food that he provided. He said, eat this. The angel said, the journey is too tough for you. And I'm going to tell you something really joyous. This journey called life is too tough for you. It's way too tough for you. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can think so, but I've seen people who've reached every ounce of success in their life, and they're still wanting something. There's still something missing in their lives. And as I look at this, I'm I'm recognizing that throughout the scripture, the Bible is often talked to, talked about as a meal, about feasting on the word of God, chewing on the word of God. We got people eating scrolls in apocalyptic literature. And what I find about this is we get faithful by getting spiritually nourished, that we eat and sustain and build ourselves up on God's promises. That it doesn't come from the stuff out here. It comes from the promises of God that, yes, I may have moments of fear and being afraid, but I will be strengthened. He said, get up and be strengthened by the food I provided for you. Several times in Scripture, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In communion, which we practiced last week, we 
go ahead and we participate in this of taking the bread and drinking from the cup. And that is called, he says, this is my what? Body. And this is my blood. Take and eat from this. It is the presence of Christ who is the living word of God. Notice how the scripture all works together. That is the living word of God, Jesus, the word made flesh, as John told us, that came down from heaven, and it is us who remain in him. And when we do, then our faith is strong. But apart from him, the scripture says, I can do nothing. It's, and so here's Elijah running away from what God has called him. And we get faithful and spiritually nourished by feasting on the word of God. We get filled with fear by feasting on what the word, world has for us. We doubt not because we don't have faith, but we doubt because we don't feed our faith. We have fear because we don't feed our faith the way we should. It's interesting to me that if you look, that faith is two things. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And I'll prove that to you in Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There's more there faithfulness. It is also a gift of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it says this. I can get it up here. 1 Corinthians, to another, um, faith by the same Spirit, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. So we have, uh, it gives a list of them, and it says to another miraculous powers, but faith is both a gift from God and a fruit. So what that tells me is God gives me a, a little bit of faith, but as I feast on his word, as I trust in his promises, and I make that part of my life, and I do that by getting into this, then guess what? I get fed and my faith grows stronger by the word of God in my life. And God has made it easy for us. God has made it so easy for us. Just as Elijah had no excuse to not eat what was there for him, we have no excuse not to eat what is there before us. I can... I did a little research. There are hundreds of Bibles through apps that I can carry on my phone. It used to be if I wanted a Bible commentary, I had to put it on a bookshelf and look like I was intelligent. You know how they all look nice? They're kind of decoration now for a lot of people. But you'd have these Bible commentaries and all these things lined up back there. And if you wanted something, you had to carry it with you. Now, at a click of a button, I can go ahead and search any amount of Scripture, any version in any language, right like that, for free. And so I have no excuse for not putting the Word of God into my, in my life. I have no excuse for not feasting on the Word of God because God has placed it right by my head, right on my laptop, right on my keyboard, right on my phone. And I have no excuse. It is so easy. God has given us some awesome food. You know, it's like if God gave us, like one of the things I still struggle with is I like crappy food. I love it. I would love to sit and eat a half dozen of Boston cream donuts. How many like Boston cream donuts? Hallelujah, right? That's good stuff. And I, I would love to eat that. I would love to go ahead and get one of those big, greasy, jalapeno, five guys, burger and fries where the grease is so thick that it's coming through the bag. I love it. It's good for me. But I know when I do that, it takes a negative effect on this. And so I have to avoid it as much as I don't want to. It's no different because there are many things that I see in the world that I really like. 
But I know if I put them in here, it is going to do no good for this being, this body of the, for God, this temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to do any good. What I, and it's not going to build me up, but it's going to destroy me. It's going to tear me down. All you have to do is look at what people deal with in their lives, with addictions. It's because they put something in that shouldn't be there. When people are caught up in all kinds of, of things in life, they see things first, put them in, or they hear things, and they put them into their lives, and then what happens, it begins to consume their life. Am I right? It's about time that we get up and eat and have our lives consumed by the Word of God so that we're made strong in Him. If God's, you know, so many of us say, God, why did you just take the fear away? God, just take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Reminds me of that other song, Take It Away. Wasn't that Paul McCartney? Yeah, okay. And Wings, sorry, I'm in a music mood today. Um, but we want God to take that away. But I believe why God doesn't is because God, if God took that away, we would have no need to trust him. And he wants us to trust in him. God put this, this bread of life over our head. And we have it so many ways. So, so many of us have made it easy. There are churches on every corner. There are churches in every place. Church, there's probably more churches than there are Walmart. And that's saying a lot. Um, but there's so many different churches. I, when I was in Lewis, Delaware, there were four churches within a half a mile and a block. Four different churches. Some of that I think is absolutely ridiculous because they were all, that was four of the same denomination which is completely ridiculous, but that's a whole other sermon. Um, you guys got a year? I'm sorry. Um, but what we need to recognize is that some of us just ride by them all the time. I'm glad you're here today because I believe that God wanted you here. I believe Satan did not. Because one of the other things is we got to recognize that we are also nourished about what comes out of our mouths and what goes into these ears. If I say to myself, man, I'm always a screw-up. I always mess up. I knew I was going to mess this up. Then guess what you're telling yourself? You're telling yourself, you're always a mess up. You're always going to screw up in your life. And you start to put that in and feed yourself with, regurgitate that stuff into your body, then guess what? You're going to believe it. You know, there's a verse in Scripture that's, that talks about a dog returning to its own vomit. Anybody think that's pretty disgusting? Anybody ever see it? Dogs will eat whatever. And guess what they'll do? A lot of times when they eat it, they throw it back up again. And they'll keep eating until you say, get away from there, and hose it down, right? They just keep going back. I had, one of our dogs would like to go and eat cat poo. And you could always smell it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? And then, no, no, you're not going to kiss my face. Go, go, Right? But so many of us are like that verse of Scripture in Proverbs that we return to our own vomit all the time. We go ahead and say, you know, I'm just this way. I'm, I'm going to be a loser. I'm never going to have a relationship. I'm never going to blah, blah, blah. Right? Next thing you know, you're living that out in your life because you believe what you have said to yourself. There's no excuse that we have anymore to not eat more of the Word of God. So make a pledge this week. To eat some more. Look at the person next to you and say, eat some more. There we go. Good job. God has given you some awesome food. And so go ahead and eat up. Number two. Next thing is go out and stand. Go out and stand. Uh, this, this verse of scripture 
where it says, um, we're going to pick up in 9 through 13. It says, then he went into the cave to spend the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous. Now listen to him. Here's the situation. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Right. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. Right. I am the only one left. And they're trying to kill me. Wrong. He's not the only one left. And two, yeah, they can try to kill him, but they can't do one thing until God goes ahead and lets him. And you know what's really cool? Elijah never died. God whisked him away in the chariot of fire. He never died. He said they're trying to kill him. And it's kind of like God saying, you think they're going to try to kill you? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what's up. And so he goes ahead and he, um, he says they're trying to kill me too. Um, and then the, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He rep- he rep- and he replied all that stuff. Then he said in verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I find it really interesting that that last verse tells us that God told him to go out and stand and he's was still with the earthquake and the fire and all that stuff. He stayed in there. And what we see, what we have here, is Elijah is where? In a cave. In a cave. And we all have caves. People in my philosophy class have to deal with Plato and talk about the allegory of the cave. And it's one of my uh, favorite discussions. And I always have people look at their own cave experience. And one of the things, we have our own caves. Some of our caves may be anger. Some of us, you know, what a cave is, is something that keeps us from seeing God. In, in this context, and we have anger. Some of us may be in denial. Anybody ever been in a denial cave? It's not happening, it's not happening. Nope, not gonna happen. Or guess what? It could be frustration or hurt. Whatever that is, it keeps us and it creates a fear from blocking us from seeing God. You see, a lot of the things that Elijah said were true, but God took care of them all. Now he's lonely, and what did he do? Left the servant. God tells him, verse 11, stand here. And you see this. You first, how does God come? In a wind? In a great wind? Next, he comes in what? We got wind, and then we got a big earthquake. And then we've got a big fire. What you have here is earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> Boogie Wonderland. Right, I told you I'm in music mode today. Um, earth, wind, and fire is here for the first time. I knew they were old, but not that old. And what we have here, but then he comes with his gentle whisper. Why not? Why not the wind? Because I believe that he needed to know that it wasn't the power of God. He saw the power of God there in the wind. He already knew the power of God from just Mount Carmel. Why not the earthquake? A reminder that God has the whole world at his disposal in his command. And the fire. Why not the fire? That's pretty cool to make fire out of nothing. Have you ever tried to make fire out of nothing? It's really hard. I would fail that on Survivor. 
I can barely do it, Will and Rem. Click her things. Click. <laughs> and I get frustrated when the wind blows and it blows it out. But God took and made fire out of nothing to show him that he has the power over that too. Maybe even remind him as he's standing on that mountain that God spoke to those people, the Israelites, through a pillar of fire at night right on that mountain. But no, he gave a whisper. Why? Why a whisper? And I believe it's this, because God wanted him to know that he's close. He wanted to know that he's close by. When you're close to somebody, you whisper. When you're loud, you yell. Satan wants to shout a lie. He wants to keep you away from God and keep you in an echoey cave that all you hear is those lies again. But outside, God says, I'm here. I'm with you. I promised. Satan wants to shout all the louder that you are who others say you are, that you have created that. But no, God says, listen. You see, Jesus doesn't overcome my fear by shouting louder. Oh, yeah, my life. When I'm going through my struggles and when I'm afraid, I want God to say, here I am. But God takes care of my fears by drawing closer to me. Isn't that an awesome God? That as I grow closer to him, he grows closer to me. It doesn't have to yell. The world yells to try to close out that little whisper. I was reminded of a statement that a friend of mine says. He says, a lot of, and he says a lot of times people treat him like a mushroom. And Satan wants to treat us like a mushroom. Keep us in, a, in the dark and dump crap on us all day. And really, we've been living like mushrooms in our lives. You see, in the cave, Satan keeps us in the dark and just dumps it on us. And we deal with it. In the dark, I'm afraid of things I'm not in the light. And I hear things I usually don't hear. Like if something creaks like that. <laughs> if you were in here in the dark, you guys would mess yourself, <laughs> wouldn't you? But in the light, you're like, ah, it's cool. If you go into places like a place like this, you get, sometimes people go in the dark and they're like, eh. or, or like the dishwasher will kick on at night. Anybody afraid of the dishwasher? <laughs> like when it kicks on at night and it goes, you're like, what's that? What's that? Melissa one time, she in here? <laughs> I think I've told this before, but one time, I was asleep. I was so tired. I was asleep. And she says to me, Jack, who's there? And like our room looks at the steps and she says, who's there? I'm like, what? what are you talking about? Somebody's there. I'm like, are you awake? Yes, somebody's there. I heard them swishing. I said, I'm sure the corduroy bandit said, let's go break into their house. You know, go back to sleep. Can you imagine somebody breaking in? You know. Anyway, that's what happens when you wake me up. I'm not very nice. 
I would have yelled at the angel and said, get up. I said, I just laid down on this bush, shut up, you know. Um, but in the dark, there's things and shadows and things that we're afraid of that we're not when the light is there. Satan wants to keep you in the dark, to ignore the word of God, to keep you starving in the dark, and to shout and feed your soul with all those kind of things that have you run from your life, the life that God intends for you. You know, when the light's on, you know, I remember I was talking last week about some of those uh, 80s horror movies. They got them all on like AMC this week. Um, and, you know, when, when I used to watch all those, sometimes I like turn the light on in the other room, you know. Um, and they're so cheesy when you look at them. Um, but I believe that the devil did not want you here today. I believe the devil wanted to keep some of you at home or wherever you are in your cave believe in the lies, be in a mushroom, believe in all that stuff in your life, instead of allowing you to come here and get a little bit of light in your life, to have you come out of the cave. And so, ask yourself today, are you ready to check out of the cave? In the Old Testament, it says, come out of the cave because the presence of God is about ready to pass by. But in the New Testament, for those who believe in Jesus, the presence of God lives within you and is with you always. And that's what takes us to number three. Number three. Let's read this scripture verse first from 15 through 19. Everybody good? Okay. Um, The Lord said to him, come back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishmi, king of over Israel. And anoint Elisha. Remember we talked about him. Son of Japheth. Um, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hezaleel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, there are 7,000 people, and he thought he was the only one. That's what the cave darkness does to you. It tells you you're the only one when there's plenty more that God has. And then it says, so Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, son of Japhat. He was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah threw him, uh, went to him and threw his cloak around him. Um, and we picked up with that scripture the other week. Um, what God says is God has a better plan than the cave dwelling. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward right now. And I'm going to get Wayne and them to start playing a cornerstone in a bit. God has a better plan than the cave dwelling. Um, and what you got to do is you got to get back and you got to stop doubting. You got to stop accusing. You got to stop fearing. We learned the other week that Elijah appointed Elisha, but it took him 10 years, 10 more years before he was ready to go ahead and take over for Elijah. 10 years from this point where Elijah was fearful, 10 years from where he ran. And some of you have, may think that you're done. 10 years from after the point where he said, I'm done, Lord. I should die. Some of you think that you are, are done. Some of you think that, you're, that God has no use for you. Well, let me take you to this one verse, and this reminded me when I heard this song all week from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. This is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. I know I say that a lot, but this is one of my favorite ones. So that day when evening came, his disciples said to him, let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And then a furious squall came up. Didn't you love that term, a squall? 
and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? And he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And it says they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. You see, in verse 40, why are you so afraid? And in verse 41, what happens is their fear became fear of the Lord. Remember when I started with the definition of fear? What was it? What is fear is not what? What is it on the front of your bulletin? Fear is not what? The absence of fear. But fear is what? Trusting in a God who is greater than your fear. Faith, sorry, faith. Faith is trusting a God who is greater than your fear. I know there's people in this room that have question marks and fears. And I believe that's why God led me to this series this week. Next week, we're going to get into a little bit, some guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a guy with a parable of talents, some of my other favorite guys, and about fear and fearlessness for God. We're going to talk about fear's greatest hits next week. And in that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right now where you are. As, and I'm going to ask you, Wayne, if you'll just start with that chorus Again, from Cornerstone, if the praise team will start again with, with that. And just stand where you are, and we're going to have this course. The altar's going to be open, and I just want you to go ahead and just bask in the presence of God. You can be, pray over here with me, but just go ahead and just, let's just sing this, um, this verse, this chorus together. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong, and Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong, in the Savior's love, through the storm, He is. Through the storm, He's Lord of all. Let's just lift Him up and praise Him in this.
never gives up, never runs out. Isn't it good to know that God's love never fails, never gives up on you, no matter where you are? Um, come here, Eva. Come here, honey. Come here. Come here. She says, no. You want to come here to me? I want to show you somebody who is worshiping like crazy. I miss him. What? What? Isn't she cute? She was worshiping so much, she lost her shoe over there. She stopped and put her shoe back on and was like, I'm back at it again, you know? That's pretty cool, isn't it? Did you lose your shoe? Yeah. Yeah. And you put it back on? And you jump up and start worshiping again? Yeah, yeah that's good. So, so um, you know, I, I, just, I just think it's all, you know, so awesome how, how just God has so many gifts in this church um, that a little girl here worshiping can minister to, to an old pastor. Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and just like the, the different people we've had up here worshiping, good to have Kevin with us today and, um, and, and worshiping. And, and it's just good that you look around at, at what God is doing, not done, but doing. And, and also look in your own lives because God is doing a special thing. You're not here by mistake today. He called you because, you know, we only got two more weeks to tell fear to get out of our lives. And that's what we're here to do. Amen? Amen. So go forth in the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the power. Can you give me some power? Give me some power like this. Okay, just grab your baby by the, in, a, in a headlock, that'll work. Um, and just have an awesome week in Jesus. Amen? If you're visiting, please um, meet Jill at the table out there. And you guys can play something. Rock us out. Here we go. Andy, uh, hey, do not forget the prayer meeting up front.